The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We pray. O Word made flesh, be present with us this day and fill us with your, with your limitless grace. Amen. Have you ever met uh, anyone famous? You ever met a famous person? Yeah? Some of you have? I would love to hear your stories of that. Having been raised in L.A., in, in the L.A. area, I, you know, I bumped into a couple myself. When I was 18, I was browsing through these uh, newfangled compact discs. This was the new technology at the time at uh, Tower Records in Hollywood. And uh, <clears throat> I'm thumbing my way through the, the CDs and I knew there was someone next to me, a, a female type, um, but I was thumbing through the CDs going, moving to the left and, and she was thumbing through them, moving to the right and you know, before I knew it, I'm like, oh, hello. And it was Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, do you know, do you remember who Jamie Lee Curtis is, right? Daughter of Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. Uh, a very prominent actress in her own right. Yeah. So there she was. And uh, I didn't say anything to Miss Curtis. And she didn't even acknowledge my existence. <laughs> Which was disappointing because she was only seven years older than, than I was. And, you know, it could have worked maybe, right? <laughs> but then I wouldn't have met Jill, right? I'm, I'm certain I wouldn't have been as happy with Jamie Lee Curtis as I am with, with Jill. But here's the thing that day. I, you know, I, that day I got within 12 inches of Jamie Lee Curtis's personal space, I noticed that she looked like she just rolled out of bed. And I knew there was a reason for that. Because, I mean, I could tell who she was, right? I'd seen all her movies up to that point. But I knew she just wanted to go to a record store and shop and browse without attracting attention, without anyone knowing who she was. I, I knew that's why she looked the way she did. Now, when I've shared this story through the years, some people have asked me, well, what, what's she really like? I say, I don't know. I didn't talk to her. But maybe people have asked the same thing about somebody famous you've met or even know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who you know or... or uh, uh, who you've met, but don't you think it's the case that people know, want to know what famous people are really like? You know, I mean, the tabloid industry makes millions of dollars off, you know, people wanting to know what famous people, celebrities are really li are like in real life. And that's why many famous people don't want to be recognized. They don't want people to know their personal lives. They don't want to be known by everyone. They, they want to work in the entertainment industry and they want to have a job like, you know, they want to have meaningful employment like you and I have, but they don't want public intrusion in their lives. Now, would you agree then that Jesus is a famous person? Yeah, <laughs> right. Isn't it the case he was not only a celebrity in his day? I mean, the crowds flocked around him, followed him wherever he went, but he's also a timeless celebrity through the ages, isn't he? Perhaps a glaring difference, though, with most famous people is God wants to be known. 
See, he wants to be known by everyone publicly. And Christmas is about the lengths to which God will go to be known and loved and admired and worshipped and magnified and glorified. When the Apostle John says the Word became flesh, he's describing Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Because Jesus is God's premier self-revelation in human form. In other words, if you want to know who God is, who so deeply wants to be known, then look at Christ. Look at Jesus. To see Jesus is to see God. Whoever has seen me, Jesus once told his disciple Philip, has seen the Father. Yeah, so call it an invasion. Call it a giant stoop down into humanity. Call it the, the incarnation. God makes himself known by showing up among his creation. His people. And born of a woman. He won't be found hiding in a palace or a temple. Now it's true, it did happen on several occasions later on in his life. Jesus disappeared from the crowds so he wouldn't be crushed or seized, which is understandable. And he was sometimes hidden, you know, he was some kind of a, sometimes a, a shadowy figure or, or hidden from view a little bit or not always recognizable and, and did things quietly and, and told people not to tell anyone about him, which is, which is kind of odd and unexpected. But his arrival on earth his birth is a public event. Nothing hidden by, about that. A public event open for viewing by all people. And it had its risks, didn't it? When it happened. Somebody wanted to kill him from the start. You remember who that was? Yeah, that's right. But his birth wasn't the time for that. Jesus had some time to spend with his people first. As John puts it, he dwelt among us. And I want to look deeper at that word with you more closely this Christmas. Dwelt. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Which I think we hear that and, and, and think Jesus lived among people. And that's true. But this word dwelt in the original language, eskenosen, literally means tabernacled or tented. So think about that for a second. Our Lord tented with us. Uh, you know, how can we place this in a modern context today? Well, most of you have camped, right? It's beautiful, Oregon. You've gone camping in the two good months of the year around here, right? You've camped in a campground with friends or family and here comes God into the campground and sets up his tent right next to yours and wants to be with you. Oh, hello God. Welcome. Join us. Or, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, we got all these homes being built around here. You've, maybe you've bought a new home or moved into a new home and, you know, here comes God, builds his home right next to yours. And is your neighbor now. God has a history of doing this, you know, leading up to Bethlehem. He immerses himself in creation and, and he did that when he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He 
visiting Abraham and Sarah, setting up his tent, his tabernacle with the, the wandering Israelites, and in the temple in Jerusalem. But Bethlehem, it's got to be the greatest of all tent setups, right? The greatest of all immersions. If someone really wanted to know you, wanted to know you, I mean, know you as you really are, where would they find you? Where would you be? What would you be doing? Where would they find the real you? What would they find the real you doing? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we may not always want people to know who we really are and what we're really doing. We don't want God knowing those things, but He knows us. And that's why He came to be born of a virgin, of Mary. To come into the world through an imperfect person to be perfect for all people. Now when you take the whole scripture into view, whole, all of scripture, it would appear that when God contemplated the question, if someone really wanted to know him, the answer was, they'll find the real me in my son, living among them as one of them. John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the son from the father. He was no doubt thinking of the glory he saw when Jesus was transfigured later on before his eyes but he was also thinking of the other glories that God made known to him in Jesus the glory was there as Jesus healed the man with leprosy as he taught the multitudes on a hill and even when he was lifted up on a cross when John gets to answering the question you know when people ask him you saw Jesus what was he really like he says that Jesus is full of grace and truth we have all received grace upon grace. In other words, Jesus embodies the relentless, extravagant, limitless, and constant love God has toward you and me, toward all people. And John, John saw truth in Jesus as well. Later in this gospel, he remembers Jesus saying, I am the truth. Jesus embodies the truth about God. He didn't come just to teach people about God. He showed people what God is really, really like. Now by saying that, I run the risk of offending some with the image of what God is really like. But do you have a problem with the way God dealt with Assyria in 612 B.C.? Is it a stumbling block? Is that a stumbling block to knowing God's love? Is the way he dealt with the Babylonians in 539 B.C. troubling you, friend? <laughs> I'm being serious here because these are real stumbling blocks for people. This is a criticism of our God out in the real world. Even for Christian people. God is criticized for these things. And those things are true. They did happen, but also more closer to home Maybe what God is really like to you is too much tragedy in your life or pain or why me, God? Or why my loved one? 
When you know Jesus, you know the truth about God. And that truth is sometimes scary and hard to understand. But Bethlehem is not scary. And God promises to love generations of those who love Him. To know the truth about God is to be set free from fear and guilt and even death itself. Well, that's good news. And we've opened many gifts during these Advent and Christmas Eve messages. Hope, peace, love, life, and glory. God's glory. We can pray to the, I mean, as we're sitting here right now, right, there's lots of kids opening their Christmas presents if they haven't already, right? And we can pray today with the five-year-old who on Christmas almost quoted Psalm 51, verse 11, accurately. Almost. He prayed, O Lord, cast me not away from my presence. And today we ask him not to cast us away from his presence. That's kind of an interesting play on words you can use there. Cast us not away from your presence, Lord, your being here with us, or your presence, your gifts, hope, peace, life, love, and joy. We even ask, we ask even, as Luther would say, God will give these things to you, ask it anyways. And we ask, even though he promises never to cast us away from him or his gifts. The ultimate gift of Jesus is knowing God up close and personal, knowing what he's really like. And to know him is to love him. After all, God loves you dearly. Amen.